episode of the Imagine Movie Podcast, a podcast where we investigate the water crisis in LA. No, I mean the one in the 1970s. No, not that one. The other one in the 1970s. Um, my name is David, and we should all grab our fedoras, uh, our disposable pocket watches, um, and about ooh, I don't know, 85,000 cigarettes each, and let's head to the beach and figure this out. Yeah, let's smoke. 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 <coughs> because it's the 70s. No, it's the 30s, but it's, we're in the 70s and they were smoking lots then too. Boy, uh, my name's Sam. There's a goddamn floor shine shoe. <laughs> it's quite hard to say, actually. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, smoking rates. We should. This should be just be the smoking podcast. We talk about smoking so much. I don't smoke. I've never smoked. And uh, we do talk about... I'd say, no, I don't want to hear it. No, no, it's terrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. But it's like obviously addictive as shit. So there's something that's just anyway. Mm -hmm. Smoking Mm -hmm. rates in the 1930s, everyone smoked. So it's kind of Mm -hmm. like a. I don't necessarily begrudge that in a in a period piece. And it was made in the 1970s, and therefore also everybody smoked. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we're looking at. Well, but just before we move on, let's talk about 1974. Which is when this movie came out. My goodness, that's Well, I was going helpful. to announce the name of the movie. People can read the title. They're fine. <laughs> 45% of uh, um, men and women smoked compared to 2019. Just 14. So we are making progress. That's good. Yeah, you, mean you can tell uh, in the streets, so to speak, that actually when you see someone smoking, it's kind of like, you got going on smoking What's in the street problem? during the day. Jesus. Ugh. But anyway... Public health aside, let's talk about Chinatown. The movie we're doing, see? Brought it back. Finally. And, <laughs> and from 1974, Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, uh, directed by Roman Polanski. Oh, God. Famed oh. international child rapist and fugitive, Roman Polanski. Literally convicted. He was literally convicted and fled America and... And to this day, lives in fucking France, scot-free, the piece of shit. So, <clears throat> let's just put it out there right now. I'm always conflicted about watching movies by convicted child molesters. <laughs> just going to say it right now. I just think it's... I guess my... It's difficult, isn't it? And But I think I come down on the line of, while Roman Polanski directed this, uh, he didn't appear in it. He didn't write it. A lot of other people worked on this movie, and I think that not necessarily just for this. I think that generally, even when the you know the the driving force behind um, a piece of like a cultural artifact like this, or like a TV series, the Joss Whedon thing as well. Like, I'm not sure we should then just set fire to everything they've ever made. That yeah. feels a bit 1984y. That attitude of oh, well, no one can ever watch this again because the person who made it, you know, was a scumbag. It's a bit like saying, oh, well, Da Vinci was a bit of a cunt, so let's just take a load of hammers and break up all of the artwork he ever made. And it's it's difficult, though, isn't it? Because it does taint your watching of this, especially with Plansky because he was literally convicted and, like you said, is is on the run. He goes to fucking Cannes every year. Like, he's just a, you know has literally not paid for his crimes yeah. um, well two things he is in this film uh he plays the guy who cuts the nose oh right um yeah good little fact anyway 
but yes i think i think generally you're right i think i think maybe the response is to talk about it right up front at the start of a podcast if you're gonna be if you're gonna <laughs> so everyone turns it off let's add let's add context like let's do that because this guy is a is a piece of shit and it is unbelievable that he you know remains at large and uh that most of you know the popular names in hollywood that you think oh they oh i like them as actors are have written supportive statements or have said in interviews that they think he should be allowed back and oh it was a long time ago it's like this guy has not served he he literally fled justice like a coward yeah. has not served any uh, uh, any and jail he raped time. a child this is not this is not some a guy who cheated on his taxes he he raped an underage individual like you know that's not a nice guy crime that's not a bit of that's not a Nick Cage tax evasion. That's not, you know, he yeah, hit someone in the bar when he was evasion, drunk, like it? Sean Bean, like all of our idols who were just total fucking scumbags. But like, you know, yeah. And I think to top off your point, and I think which is why we're going to talk about this movie, and I think you know it's going to come up, but we just I guess want to make sure we reference that Roman Polanski is a piece of shit. How many movies could we actually talk about if we started to? seriously get into <clears throat> the writers directors actors. i think there's only one i think hollywood one men comes to mind sam there's only one that comes to mind that i think is is directly <clears throat> worsened by the allegations involved and it's american beauty because it's a film about kevin spacey being um a fucking you know uh what's the word i'm looking for it's a film about kevin spacey contemplating um statutory raping a child um you know an underage mm. girl which I think is just a little bit too close to his actual crimes. Um, although, although, <laughs> comfort. although he was recently uh, found not guilty of those crimes in Britain. That's just true. saying that. It's I, worth I, mentioning. I think it, for legal reasons, uh, I think there's probably... Well, it, but, muddies, but it, it muddies the waters a little bit, doesn't it? Of like it does, a, but I think... Yeah, I I think you're right, though. And it's a bit... And I think for the purposes of this podcast... And we'll move on now and talk about that movie... Um, the same reason we're never ever going to watch Schindler's List for this podcast. We're just not going to do it because what? Could <laughs> if we... we ever watch Schindler's List for this podcast, it is our final episode. It is the last episode. Yes, and and we and because we're not going to have a good time. We we can't make jokes about this movie. We can't have a good time about this. How are we going to get it? And so I think just sometimes you think it's fine. It's fine. So there we go. Ron Polanski, piece of shit. Let's talk about this. However, very, very good movie. This is one of the not, best movies I've ever seen. I'm not, not going to say the best, before. but it's, it's a you phenomenal it piece of cinema. I've seen this before, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, twice, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I only saw it three, four years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, actually, I watched it because Down in Front did an episode about John Chinatown. Oh, you mean that and podcast when they like stopped producing episodes ago. in 2015, oh. um, or it might have even been 2014. We recently surpassed their episode count, which I'm very happy with. Um, yeah, so when they stopped go. when they stopped releasing episodes, basically, I went back through their catalogue and um, February 2015, and basically, <sighs> I, I started watching movies that they'd done just so that I could listen to the hang out with your friends. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. <laughs> um, and that's the, that's a podcast that's aged, but they love Chinatown, the big movie nerds, and so so I watched it, and 
it's kind of a hard movie to boil down, isn't it? Because it's a it's a neo noir movie, movie. It's um, it's a PI movie. Uh, it's what's the word I'm looking for? It's a noir movie in in that perfect sense where no one learns any learns any lessons. No one really wins. <laughs> no one really comes out of this movie any better off than they were at the start of this. Nobody, not the good guys, not the bad guys, whoever they yeah. may be. Nobody. It's kind of a it's kind of a not a road movie in that sense of like people are traveling places but <clears throat> we really i think get taken on a journey in this film from the start where we where you know we're we're meeting the cavalier flashy uh uh Jake Getty played by uh, Jack Nicholson and like his life seems quite glamorous He's pretty. He's got a sharp suit on, and he's drinking scotch in the middle of the day and smoking smoke. He's doing all of these like, you know, he's he's living and he goes around. There's a reason um, Jack Nicholson, by the way, was like around at not that much older than we are now when he filmed this. And there's a reason he looks fifty, you know, yes. because he smokes all day and drinks all day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then <clears throat> as that as the film progresses, I guess we get to see his life deteriorate and in the classic noir sense of like everything's falling apart and also we get to kind of dive into this really sordid fucked up plot with um you know Faye uh Faye Dunaway well it's a really cool like um it's corporate mystery basically isn't it and uh, mm. in the greatest tradition of the PI things it's not it's a movie about a PI but it's not really about the PIing um which I really like but saying that I really love the the stuff we do get because it's it assumes so much what's the word um so much familiarity with the, with the um genre so mm-hmm. we get little things like obviously he's he's quite well to do as it's a private detective and he basically chases people who are having affairs um and he has two associates so he's obviously doing quite well i love the pocket watch bit um Oh yeah, that was a. Good, it took me a minute to figure out what he was doing. So this is where he puts the pocket watch, two pocket watches on either side of a tire, and they're set to the right time. And then if the car drives forward, smash, it breaks the watch, and you've got it frozen in time when it happened. Or if it went back, it hits the other one. Like, but because it's like proper, um, it's like proper old school, like nineteen thirties PI stuff, you know. Whereas now you put a It'd be just a, oop, a GPS tracker on the inside of the bumper. Job done. Or a Do camera I mean? like, or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it's a real like... And and what I love about it in the movie, and the movie's kind of full of stuff like this, is we don't get a scene where he's explaining to one of his associates about the pocket watches. We just see it. And mm. he's got a whole drawer of these pocket watches. And you're like, you see first, and you're like, well, that's odd. And you see it and you're like, that's clever. And it's just... It's thoughtful, but in a way where it's and, and this is a good mo- rule of a movie is show don't tell, and and the whole movie is kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. There is quite a lot of exposition, um, partial exposition from um, Jack Nicholson's character, but largely the movie is kind of just showing you things and kind of asking you to put two and two together and come up with four when actually the answer is like seventeen, as it turns out by the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, uh, so I the whole you know, premise isn't uh, the, of the mystery. Um, which I sometimes find somewhat... I think it's because it doesn't become clear till later. The whole premise is the water company is artificially wasting water at night 
so that they can drive up so they can um drive down the price of farmland near los angeles mm-hmm. and then they use people in a retirement home as uh shells to buy all of this land for a pittance and then they're going to irrigate it and make you know i think i can't remember what the figure that's thrown around is but millions and millions and millions yeah and, and they're basically buying it at really really cheap prices aren't they because it's shit land and completely because useless. they've artificially not it's because they've artificially um they're artificially extending this drought yeah yeah and it is there is a there is a bit of like it's based off i think the uh the construction of the los angeles aqueduct and then there's william mulholland um who is the kind of hollis mulray if you can see the similarities in some of the words you know mulholland hollis mulray um this guy was a real person william mulholland was kind of involved in the whole construction of the water stuff then the dam collapsed and the tragedy of his life is that the dam collapses and that causes loads of death and that's a slightly different thing whereas this guy's like his problem is that there he he basically figures out what they're doing doesn't he and that the dam mm. and the whole water system is this like corrupt as fuck night because it's the 1930s yeah. so to work backwards the water company that he's um who runs basically he's one of the executives they basically try to um discredit this guy so because mm-hmm. they know that he knows um so their initial reaction is to that's how we meet jack nicholson is that they hire this prostitute to pretend to be his wife and hire this PI to follow him around and publish this idea of an affair to try and sort of um, get him to resign, I think. Uh, and then they kill him uh, after that. And that's sort of mm-hmm. like a, a movement of the movie. But it's kind of, it's interesting to think of a movie like this, uh, obviously, which if you listen to this, you've seen it, from the other side. Like, and Not every movie with shady bad guys we don't ever really meet really like you know the cabal of people who've bought all this land we meet a couple of them but it's it's cool to think of the fact that that makes sense the things they're doing makes sense (laughs) in terms of like yeah i understand why they are i understand their motivation to make loads of money at the expense of you know the public in in los angeles (laughs) and you know the things that they're doing while at the same time obviously jack nicholson's like arc which is the movie that we see also makes sense Mm mm-hmm but what's what you know in terms of that journey idea though what's interesting is that as we go along we're not learning this um all in one go we don't have a chalkboard scene we don't have a library scene where they're laying it out you're kind of picking up as you go along and there was a couple of times where i was messaging you going so this is what's happening right and you're like yeah that's fine I'm like, okay good I'm, I'm i'm with you but you know what i love movies that drip feed that out that 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 make you feel like you have to pay attention to what's happening. You have to pay attention to these small conversations. Otherwise, well, you're going to lose the plot. Yeah. The the, the example that we had recently um, was The Long Good Friday with uh, Bob Hoskins in. And that film was interesting because we knew what was happening at the same time as the protagonist knew what was happening and not before, which is the usual thing. And there was a little bit of knowing before. Uh, in this movie but generally we're kind of kept apace with what jack nicholson's doing and in some ways he's kind of leading on that and it's not until afterwards you go oh because he has that 
because he, because he's so uh, interesting, you know, like uh, dynamic, and he he's so clever, and he so knows what's good. going on. Jack Nicholson is so good. Yeah, I mean that shouldn't that's not a revelation to anyone, but he's so good in this movie and and generally. But 1974, you know, like we are we're we're right in the um, into the the kind of start, I guess, of Jack Nicholson being. One of those really, really bankable actors, aren't you? I mean, he's got work in the some work in the in the sixties, I think, but generally, I think around the seventies is when when it those... comes to more leading roles, I think as well. Um, the seventies seems like a real time where, you know, the forties and the fifties and the sixties, your leading men were all, you know, attractive and debonair, and they could all sing and dance. And then the seventies, it seems to be your real like, you know manly hairy ugly smelly men are like suddenly like viable leads for movies and it's fantastic it's it's the best thing about 70s cinema is just this like almost this more realistic um men Mm. appearing especially men because women generally unfortunately uh, because of the way hollywood works uh, women are generally quite misrepresented on screen as young and attractive and blonde um (laughs) but that's a really interesting point that you uh, came across. I was doing some reading on um, the whole Polanski thing, and I came across the uh, Tate La Bianca murders. And this is where the members of the Manson family um, basically just, they were told to go and kill as brutally as possible um, the, the, these, these people. And Tate was going out with Polanski at the time, and she was pregnant. Married to him. Married, sorry, there we go. So she's murdered horribly and all of that. And But there's some interesting commentary about how that gritty 70s feel with the big, fat, ugly guys <laughs> that, you, that you talked about comes from, like, the 1969 murders because it was so close to the Hollywood... Um, uh, well, Catherine Tate was an actress. Um, yeah. It, it, like, the, the whole Plansky were very famous... Um, the whole was, thing uh, was, yeah. One of the other victims was a stylist uh, whose name um, I can't honestly remember. No, I'm not sure. And she was pregnant at the time, and it was. I mean, the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which came out uh, the Tarantino movie, has mm-hmm. kind of like uh, re- reignited this in our imaginations as a cultural um, yeah event. And this and this like dark psychosexual stuff. Wikipedia includes Dirty Harry, Clockwork Orange. And the kind of hyper realness that you get in the seventies—that you yeah. think of seventies movies, you think, "Oh Christ, this is going to be a bit fucking dark, isn't it?" Because everything was shit in the seventies. And I just think it's a fascinating connection to this movie that it comes back to, you know, these events and and what happens there. So yeah, it, it is really interesting. Um, Chinatown has got to be one of those films, though, isn't it? Where this is like it's quite bleak. I mean, we've obviously like explained the corporate plot. But the, the actual story we're watching is, is Faye Dunaway was raped by her father and had a daughter who was then taken away from her. And it's her desperately trying to protect her daughter who thinks she's her sister from her father slash... Um, well, her father is also the father of her daughter. And it's... The gra- yeah, the grandfather slash father. That is fucking father. dark for a movie. Like, in any, any decade. <laughs> That's, like, really... I wasn't... Weak. So I... I wasn't sure where this was going to go, and I thought, I thought, like, um, as you're going along, you see, you see Hollis Mulray, the water dude, 
who gets killed. You see him with the um, with the daughter, and everyone thinks, oh, he's having an affair. And they get a snapshot, and they put it in the paper, and that causes lots of problems because then, basically, uh, without knowing it, he's Hollis. Out. Hollis is the father, is he? No, Hollis is the Hollis is the is the water guy. He's the guy who gets killed. So he's the he's the cross uh, cross the father. Cross, yes, played yeah. by um, John Houston. John Houston. Yes, that's right, John Houston. Yeah. yeah. And so, I don't think we should get too too buried in this plot because it is complicated. But I think what I thought was going to happen was like, oh, so is she like? It's the thirties. Is she maybe kind of disabled, or is there something like what is it that they want to hide about her? Because she's hidden away. You know, she's locked in a house, and she's just. And I was like, what's? And I just did not see this coming because it's so dark, and you don't so expect dark. a movie to confront you with that. No, but also just from some really good filmmaking, they set up um, John Huston, so the dad of. Uh, fade on away um as you know as cross they set him up with this meeting that he has uh that jack nicholson has and it's nothing to do it's nothing to do with any of this it's way before we've had the reveal of what's gone on and that this guy has been you know, horrible and done this horrible shit well again it's because jack nicholson is investigating the water thing the water thing the corruption it's the, the water and it's cross the water. cross and mul mulray 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 uh, they used yeah. to own the water company Mm-hmm. between the two of them um so he goes to see cross to talk to him about what's going on what's the what, corruption what's with this guy basically before he's even and dead. then cross is playing his own game because actually he wants his daughter and granddaughter um character she's not really in the movie um he wants her back and that's kind of like the movement of the movie but we and don't get what... to know that and jack nicholson doesn't get to know that but Faye that's always what he knows says that. though isn't it that's what he says. He says, "Find the girl. Find the girl." That's what's. That's what he because that's where you're going to get the uh, your answer. That's what's happening. And I think, like, oh my god, this is amazing filmmaking. Because then later on, when it's revealed what's happened, <clears throat> you think back to that conversation. You think, "Holy shit, he's been manipulating it the entire time. He's been a, he's the one who's been head of the." Um, because Jack Nicholson, like us, has not. It hasn't occurred to him that this guy has an, another motive. Yeah. Um, so he's looking at it very simply. It turns yeah. out that Hollis has been murdered. Uh, so he finds the glasses in the pool and he says, but then he just in- instantly jumps like we do to, oh, the, the, the wife must have done it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. again, he's kind of like, he's adding two and two and coming up with the wrong answer like again and again and again in this movie. Yeah. And and I think there's just so many examples. And again, I don't think we want to get too sucked into this plot because it is really it is really complicated. But there's just lots of examples as you go through the movie where there's just really clever um, writing and really interesting like ideas that are being explored. A lot of it, I think, is um, from the writer who. Uh, What's his name? His name Robert Evans, and he produced, um, and he wrote. What did he write? 
he was producing all the films. Da, 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 da. The Godfather. Um, I think he was in. Oh, I'm trying to find the bloody link. He wrote the sequel to this. Um... Yeah, hold on. So he's no, he's actor in The Godfather, but he was producer on this film. So I'm just trying to find the fucking link that I did open. Um, and it's actually Town who wrote it, and he's the one I think. It's a different Robert, that's why. He's the one I think who really brings like the the, the creative thing because I think it was supposed to be an adaptation of The Great Gatsby and he rejected that and said, oh, I want to write something myself. And so you get this, I think, you get this the rare thing in, in movies where you get an original script that isn't based on something else that is kind of you know, pseudo-historical because we get a little bit of the sense of the period Plus, on top of that, on top of the water, the water thing, which was real from you know Los Angeles in the thirties, we get a neo noir movie. You know, we get a noir movie which fit the nineteen thirties feel as well. So, I think all of these layers of like this fucking lovely sandwich that they've managed to create in this movie, I just think is fantastic. The writing comes out, and the fact that it's it's a seventies movie and a noir movie, which I love noir movies. We've talked about this before. Refer to our. Um one of our recent ramble casts uh but the fact that it's so like bleak but not in a not in a post-apocalyptic way which is something i really appreciate about noir movies that we we kind of don't get so much anymore because if it's if it's bleak it's obviously like a zombie movie or you know what i mean bleak equals like millions dead today whereas bleak yeah. here just equals like oh well like reality fucking sucks and that's why it's bleak and that's a bit more mm-hmm. engaging mm-hmm. but it's quite violent yeah you know um even down to the first client we meet of uh jack nicholson's like he goes home and beats the shit out of his wife because she's cheating on him and we get confronted with that later in the movie um jack nicholson's like nose gets cut in one of the i love that st- um it's like it must be a prosthesis a bit of prosthesis or the effect is really cool it's really visceral um apparently it was quite close to actually cutting i can believe it because uh, there's a there fucking was, knife up his nose there was like of a, how blunt it is i think there was like a blunt bit but the, the way that he just you know you've got a fucking bit of metal up your nose you can you're not gonna have a good time either way yeah so no yeah um but it just works really really well and 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 you are afraid for these characters because you know it doesn't it doesn't feel safe like when they're at the um retirement home and they have to sort of run away like it feels like they're gonna get shot um in a way that I don't think is it's not hitting you over the head with a sledgehammer, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It hasn't yeah. shown you a parade of like you know. It hasn't shown you footage of war crimes, you know, <laughs> to make you feel appropriately afraid. It's just good pacing well, and good tension and. It's a small story, stakes. isn't it? It's 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 a, it's a small story about you know like local municipal municipal uh, uh, waterworks, and then you've got the small. <laughs> And incest. Yeah, which is like, ooh, okay. I suppose as well, it's like how they manage to tie those two things together. And so we get like that real, um, uh, we get that really great thing in movies where you've got these two story beats that cross over. And you can't imagine how it's going to, like, how is this possibly going to happen? Like, when they when we when we get the idea that there is um, something going on and fading away, who let's just talk about her for a second. I think offers a wonderful, understated, calculated 
performance here like this is like i think she's she's every almost like face movement is is so restrained face totally and she's 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 bringing this like just sense of of someone who is deeply uncomfortable the entire time you know only when she starts sleeping with jack nicholson obviously <laughs> uh do do Gotta we have those see 70s that? tits sam it's in the contract exactly yeah sag rules at the time she, you see her relax then but then everything obviously starts going to shit after that so it's like th- there's just i think she's excellent at this but that that whole point of of when everything's kind of happening on the water stuff and everything's happening on what's going on with fate on way this is weird and the crossover and how Hollis Mulray, the guy who's murdered, is like the linchpin of that. He's like the nexus, I guess. Is that the right word, maybe? Where it all comes together and then the movie kind of unlocks and you go, oh, oh, that's what's happening. And then you think that's the then you think that's the final shock of this movie. <laughs> nope. Well, it's, it's clever in that it's kind of like a, we know this guy's been murdered, but it's not really until the last 10 minutes that we realize who's murdered him mm. and why and and there's lots of competing reasons why um and it turns out it was hot, um cross because he'd seen this photo and wanted to know where the granddaughter was um yep. and it's it's really clever and and you know scary in its and it had way. nothing to do with the water did it I mean, is that right have i got that right I don't think so. I think I don't think Cross is in, overtly involved in the water thing, um, but that's obviously something that's going on. And Jack Nicholson's like us, and he's he's like, oh, well, this this big obviously this big corporate thing, and he doesn't really consider the the family angle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose it's just clever the way that it's all it's all brought together, and it all meshes really well. And you know, even down to um, another thing I love about noir movies when it when it's clever like this is the police hate private detectives. Obviously, I hate yeah. that in in some modern stuff where you know, like the Batman effect, basically, or the Commissioner Gordon, and he's our best mate. No, no, the police do not like fucking non-licensed police. Basically, <laughs> they don't like that. Uh, so you've got that in this movie where the police are constantly trying to like arrest Jake because. They think he knows something about these murders and and what's going on, and they know he's not telling them the truth. And they're kind of like, do you know what I mean? So that's the implicit implicit threat is that well, they're just going to arrest him because he's you know not playing ball. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So everyone's out to get him. Really, you've got the, you know the the um, <sighs> and I cross must be involved because it's his the same goons who are at the water place who are yeah, I'm, at the end. I'm, I'm looking at so I think I think it is, but I think it's that, and this is why I think like this movie deserves second watch as well because trying to like pin it all together, it's a really complex story, isn't it? You know, you you are struggling a little bit, and you know, watched it a few days ago as well, which doesn't help. But the um, but yeah, so he 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 wants to locate. He he's basically in charge of the scheme, isn't he? But then I think the the murder of um or Ray is also related to that because I think he's upset by the whole thing, which is why he's, got, he's traveling around at night, you know, going to the hanging on the beach where the water's coming out yeah. and everything. But also, then there's the because he's gone to see the you know, the, yeah, and the, Cross's the motivation is definitely the granddaughter, not, mm. not the money. 
um, yeah. which is is interesting because obviously Jack Nicholson is kind of working off the opposite basis. There's some great stunts in this movie. Let's not let's not like I said let's not dig into the plot too much more. But like the car wreck at the farm is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. The fighting mm-hmm. is like well choreographed and it's clever. And Jack Nicholson isn't Superman. He's just getting the shit kicked out of him everywhere yeah. he goes, which is nice. Um, you know, in that in that noiry way where he's not like you know a really good fighter. He's not a, a you know a novel character. He's you know um, a noir character, and he's 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 going to take his lumps, and he's going to almost be killed, and he's probably not going to win in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the ending. Let's talk about the ending. America, this, this couldn't happen in any other country but America, could it? So we've obviously got a really really difficult. You know, family crisis going on. Some, what the police know anyway. We've got lots of shouting and screaming in the street, and then, uh, you know, but it's okay because the police are here. Fantastic, and as we know, police in America are fan- wonderfully trained, even in the nineteen thirties, at de-escalation. That's what they're here for. You know, they'll just come in and they'll 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 calm a situation down and not make things. Yeah, they'll shoot an unarmed woman in the back of the head for the crime of driving away from the police. Like, what the shit? Now, a white man told me to do it, Your Honor. Yeah, yeah. And he was rich as well. Um, This was deeply shocking to me. This was a real hit me like a ton of bricks. Makes the movie. And it was nearly not in it because if you look at some of the trivia, it was they nearly they wanted uh, to to write it as oh no, because it's such a heart wrenching story and it's how can we how can we have this movie end like that? And fucking hell, I think this movie probably would not be remembered uh, for the same um, in the same way if if it had. I think I think the writers, your town town wanted it them to survive, and Polanski insisted on the uh, the the sad ending where Faye Dunaway is shot, and and this makes my skin crawl. The fucking cross, you know, gets to he gets his hands on the daughter. Yep, and uh, takes her away, and we know, we, and, and that's that's. And that's the last. Forget thing about it, Sam. It's Chinatown. It's Chinatown, which is a um, wonderful, it's a fucking great. And, but but this moment, this moment where we're done away shot. You know, you think everything. You think I thought they're gonna get away, and they're gonna have a scene where Nicholson says, "No, get out of here. Just go, go and never come back to this damn city." You know, forget about it. It's Chinatown. That's what I thought the context was gonna be. Yeah, <laughs> nope. Yeah. Nope. So what actually happens at the end? So obviously. Nicholson's told Faye Dunaway to go to this address, her maid, her maid or her butler, who's played by um, that that really famous um, Chinese actor, uh, his name I'll dig up in a minute, mm-hmm. um, to go to his place in Chinatown, um, and he'll meet her there with you know money or passports or whatever exactly it is that he's meeting her there with. Uh, and I can't actually remember how Cross gets there and the police, um, but basically the police have been following Jake about and they catch him and... And so it all kind of comes together where they all arrive in the same spot. Faye Dunaway is like, fuck this, I'm going to get away from here. And she starts driving away. And like you said, this detective, 
it's just like well, well, before that, before that, Dunaway shoots her dad, Cross. Yes, that's right. In the arm, um, which then starts, then starts driving away because this is this is the thing, and um, the police are there to get Jack Nicholson's character, aren't they? Because of, yes. they think that he's. He's been working with... uh, The police are one step behind. The police know that um, Hollis Mulray, but they think he died accidentally. No, they don't. They know he was murdered, sorry, because the coroner found salt water in the lungs. Yeah. Um, They they know he was murdered at at this point, although they didn't Mm -hmm. initially. And then we also see the police at the, um, the prostitute's house, the woman who posed as Mulray's wife at the very beginning. Um, They... Me, they run into Jack Nicholson at her house because she's disappeared. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like on his case of like they don't. I don't think they really know who's murdered him, and but they know that Jack Nicholson knows. So they're kind of basically doing that like classic noir police thing where they're just following him around, hoping that he'll lead them to the murderer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a. I just think it's an amazing ending. I think it's such a powerful. Um. It's such a powerful way to finish off your movie because it allows you, it it gives you closure in a really sad way because it gives you the closure of of, uh, Faye Dunaway's story and you, you know, in terms of like the arc of the movie, it ties up that bit nicely. But then what it lets, what what it carries on is, God, this you know the daughter is gonna have to is gonna be with this lecherous horrible man jack nicholson's gonna he's just watched his girlfriend basically or someone he was interested in a bloody head blown off and and so the film gives and says okay there you go wrapped up on a with a bow for you but it also is just completely it's uh, emotionally powerful i mean yeah. it's a powerful scene because of nicholson's reaction it's powerful because, like, it's his, um, his, like, um, stooges, is the guy, the two guys who work for him, who say they're holding him back and they're like, hey, man, forget about it. And, like, oh, you know, it's Chinatown. And we get, we get a couple of references to Chinatown in this that Jack Nicholson used to be, a, Jake used to be a cop and he was, he was stationed in Chinatown. And mm-hmm. it's not a major part of the film, but it's just such a, a, like, it's a noiry sort of trope and a PI trope of, like, Forget it, Jake. There'll be another dame next week, in next week's issue, and it's like, but in a way where it's really impactful because obviously, how can you forget about this? I mean, it's such yeah. a because he worked in Chinatown, didn't he? And he left Chinatown. Yeah. That's the reference because 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 he wasn't able to do. He wasn't able to finish the cases. He wasn't it's a able. Rough beat. Yeah, yeah, and it's too it's too rough, and so and so almost like that's what the that's what it's saying. It's like. You need to let go of Chinatown as a place where another fucking horrible thing has happened because it's a mean, you know, like it's 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 a, it's a difficult place to work, but also that you, Jake, need to let go of this case because that's the other thing is like he becomes kind of obsessed, doesn't he? He be- Nicholson's character wants to know how it what's gone on. He he becomes emotionally romantically involved, and like. You just have to accept that you can't figure it out and things are terrible and bad things happen and you know, forget it. It's Chinatown. Like that's I just think it, that's Jake, it's Chinatown. 
Uh, it's a wonderful movie. Um, brilliant. Do you, do you know about the um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit connection to this movie? Go on. As initially, we we're going to watch these movies back to back. You mentioned Bob Hoskins earlier, which got me thinking of it again. Um, so the the plot of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is that um, evil people are trying to um, trying to remove kill chi- kill Toontown, which is an allegory for Chinatown. Mm-hmm. They're trying to remove Toontown so that they can basically build a motorway. Um, and the thing that LA did, uh, the, chi- the Chinese population, Chinese American population of um, LA has had a rough time of it traditionally. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of like a, and I think it's almost, it was adapted from a, from a rough draft of a sequel to this movie. Um, that was going to be about the demise of the streetcar and the rise of um, the automotive industry, uh, which is a real thing and well worth reading about, especially oh, in, yeah. in the context of uh, Los Angeles, um, which Real- famously had a really advanced and well-functioning like public transport. And the car companies literally bought up the uh, railroad, the, the the trams companies, yeah. and then ripped up the tracks so they could sell us the hellscape that is. <laughs> so they could sell us global climate crisis um but it's really interesting and and who framed roger rabbit has a lot in common with this movie in that we think we know who the bad guy is and there's a turn at the end where it turns out he's a toon and there's that incestuous thing again where you know it's um christopher lloyd and he's he's the bad guy and then oh no he's a toon he's this mad toon and and he's secretly doing this for his own reasons, and there's a lot in common in terms of the themes, which is. I need silly. to watch this movie. I don't remember this. I need. To, I haven't seen this that film in ages. There's, Maybe there's loads time. of allegories, and obviously it's um, the same thing. So in in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, a man hires a, a, a movie director hires uh, Bob Hoskins to investigate Jessica Rabbit because she's having an affair, right? And that's the first point in the movie, just like in this movie. And then you've got Bob Hoskins kind of like driving around, uncovering this huge major plot. And hmm. then the ending of the movie, it's like it turns out that the guy doing all of this murder and stuff, he's not really interested in the, the, the motorway. He's interested in just like committing genocide on these tunes. And it's this, hmm. there's a lot in common with this movie. And I'm not saying it's a one-to-one, but it's it's kind of funny how... That's the silly cartoon, <laughs> the cartoon movie. Well, because the fil- because film noir is it is it builds on itself, doesn't it? Like so, you've got the original film noir, and then you've got the neo noir stuff, which is had a massive resurgence in the seventies, followed by stupid, uh, stupid noir. You know, which is like the the kind of comedy, yeah. which we see quite a bit of, don't we? In that like. Hey, what do you want, doll? Like that kind of like over nineteen thirties overacting is a bit tropey now, and it, you maybe wouldn't get away with a straight neo noir kind of well, exactly, film. yeah, because it is tropey, and everyone's so steeped in the in or the a thirties noir film, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But it'd be interesting to watch these. Um, I might do it at some point. Watch these movies back to back. Because well, the... or you could watch the actual sequel for this movie, The Two Jakes. Yeah. <laughs> but see, see the thing is though I'm like oh expanded universe excellent and I kind of want to get into the you know 
CCU, the Chinatown Cinematic Universe, because it look, <laughs> just the world's fascinating. The characters are great. I'm really invested in Jake as a character, and I think he's. What happened to him? Like how you know? Like how did he? Because the movie I just finished. Could not disagree more. I know. Like I love this movie. I really, really, really love this movie. But if any movie didn't need a sequel, it was this movie, and. I'm kind of fine with it. I love this movie. I enjoyed it. I go back to it and I enjoy it even more every 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 time I watch it subsequently. And I'm also like quite full. I'm quite sated by that. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's anything missing. I don't feel like I need to explore more about these characters or the situation. I just and that's the sign of a perfect movie. And they made a sequel fine and it's not as well reviewed. It kind of lacks the the punch of this movie and the and the, the longevity of this movie from what i've read about the reviews again i haven't actually seen it um but i suppose actually to be fair in the year 2023 i'm just so over any sort of cinematic universe you've been you've been you've been solid by the endless by 20 fucking... years of fucking marvel eye rape yes yes um yes. there's been like 35 of those movies sam and some of them are even watchable, but my God, just you know, my I, kingdom gonna... for a standalone movie that doesn't need to set up and pay homage to 30 other movies simultaneously while also trying to be a movie itself How is just you. a tall order. How dare you suggest such a thing? Well, I've enjoyed talking about Chinatown. I really, really enjoy this movie. I would like to watch it again, actually. Um, perhaps next time we're together, we could watch it, Dave. That would be a good... Yes. Good. Oh, let's fucking subject Joe to this ah, <laughs> uh, type of thing. But I think we should do the two Jakes because I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You know, like sometimes that's just you've you've got to do the things for the pod. The podcast is the primary thing. If we don't have the podcast, we have nothing. So I think it's important that we. Uh... I'm not sure if I don't have the podcast, I have nothing. But thank you for bringing my life down to that. You got a wife and the kids. I'm boiling my life down to that. But if I have a podcast, just, I have nothing. What am I going to do? Talk to my wife? I know. We're sitting talk about Jack Nicholson movies from seventies with you forever. <laughs> but anyway, let's not worry about that. Let's get out of here. Move on. And uh, you know, don't worry, Dave. Forget it. It's podcast town. <laughs>